You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killian. morning. My name's Zach. I am a pastor here at New Hope. And thanks to everybody joining with us uh, from a remote location live. Um, I just want to say I hope you guys are recovering well from Randy's infamous Mother's Day um, adultery sermon. Uh, but I am here to kick you while you're down. Uh, we're going straight through the Sermon on the Mount and talking about the words of Jesus. What's he saying? And we're going straight through it. And so, of course, what comes after adultery, but divorce. And are we in for a treat? Um, You know, judging by the statistics, 40 to 50% of marriages end in divorce. Which means that everybody in this room has either been divorced, will be divorced, or knows somebody very well that has been divorced or will be divorced, and so you all probably have some pretty strong opinions on this topic. And so I think if I play my cards right, I should be able to offend all of you by the time we're done. And uh, we'll be good to go. Uh, I don't want to do that. I, uh, I have racked my brain over this sermon. I am so tired of thinking about this topic. I have read books. I have watched videos. I've listened to podcasts. I've studied Greek. I have studied so much to try and make sure I don't botch this. And so please, please, if I offend you, take it up with Jesus because they're his words, not mine. Okay? Now I'm going to be very careful to try and stick to the actual Uh, The actual verses, the actual scripture here. If I somehow put my own thoughts on this, I want to be clear that that's what I'm doing. And so I will try and let you know that's what I'm doing. All right. Uh, But let's get right into it. Matthew 5, 31 through 32 says, It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Okay, tough stuff, Jesus, but let's add a little bit more. He does talk about this a little bit more. Uh, Matthew 19, 1 through 9, Jesus is approached by Pharisees. Um, When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. But some Pharisees came to him, and they came to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? He said, haven't you read? that In the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but they are one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Well, why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. 
But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Okay. What is Jesus saying here? First of all, he starts from the top with, I think you've forgotten what marriage is. I think you have forgotten the significance of what marriage is. It is one man leaving his father and mother and one woman leaving her father and mother and those two individual single persons coming together and no longer being single persons, no longer being just one person and another person, but being one literal person together. That's what God sees here. And so Jesus says, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Let no one separate. Now, what I think Jesus is saying here is maybe a little less of, and don't separate that, but maybe it's more that he's saying, you can't. You can't separate this. What God has joined together, only God can separate. You see, if I walk up to Randy and I grab part of the top of Randy's head and another part of the top of Randy's head and I just start yanking because I hope that I can tear Randy into guy Randy and girl Randy, that's not going to happen because it would kill Randy. Randy would die if we tore him in half. I'm sorry, everybody. That is how it works. My point is, God is saying they're one person. You can't split that. It would destroy them. God is viewing this as destruction. But they say, but wait, 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 no, no, no. Like Moses said, if we have a certificate and we take it to our wives, then, then we can send them away. And Jesus says, no, no. You had already made up your minds. Your heart was hardened to the idea of it. You wanted it. You wanted it. There was no changing your mind. There was no making you see that you could maybe reconcile this. There was none of that in you. And so Moses permitted you to divorce. Hmm. Permitted you to divorce. But on what grounds? Sexual immorality. That's the reason. That's the reason Jesus gives us. Says, okay, if you want to do it, you can do it because she's been sexually immoral. Well, what does that mean? What is sexual immorality? Well, before we talk about that, I think we need to talk about adultery. And to talk about adultery, I think we need to talk about marriage. So what is marriage? The marriage is the one bond between one man and one woman coming together in holy matrimony in a covenant relationship with them and God, right? right? That there's a bond between those two people. But what can happen is one of those people's heart can be given to somebody outside of that bond. That they can long for someone, to desire someone outside of that bond, right? And so they can form another bond, an alien bond, a foreign bond, a bond that has no place within that marriage. And it comes into the marriage and it starts to destroy the marriage. It starts to tear it apart because one of them has bonded elsewhere or maybe both of them have bonded elsewhere. That is adultery. That's adultery. So what sexual immorality Sexual immorality comes from the word porneia. Guess what we did with that word? Ah. 
The feminine version is porne. The masculine is pornos. What it quite literally means is a woman for sale or a man for sale. It's like prostitution. It's taking the idea of sex, what was intended to be between a man and his wife, a husband and wife, right? That that is the one way God deemed this, this sexual act to ever be used, right? But it's cheapening it. It's taking the love out of it. It's taking the purpose out of it. It's taking the order out of it. And it's turning it into this other thing, this transactional experience. And so that's what it literally means. But if you look how it's used throughout Scripture, it kind of becomes this umbrella term, this catch-all term for every kind of sexual activity outside of the marriage. Outside of God's intended purpose for sex. And so it's, Pornography, it's masturbation, it's, it's uh, prostitution. It's all sorts of things. As long as it's not what God had originally intended. It's this catch-all term. It can even be adultery. Okay? And so we can look at that and we can say, oh my gosh, sexual immorality. That's the one reason Jesus gives us why we can divorce. That must be the most grievous of sins. That must just absolutely be one of the worst things you can do. And I think our culture has taken that and honestly run with it. Because we look at people who are sexually immoral, right? When they're visibly sexually immoral, when they're doing these things, and we just demonize them. We're like, oh my gosh, they've fallen from grace. They've fallen so far. That's horrible. I hope that that never happens to, to my family or to me or the people I care about. Oh my gosh, good thing we know better. We can look at it and go that route. But I don't think that's what Jesus is doing. I think Jesus is doing a little more of what Jesus often does. You see, when we look at what Jesus says, if we look at Matthew 5, 31-32, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, look, yeah, you've heard it said that if you go get a contract, if you go get a, a license for divorce, and you go and you show it to your wife, yeah, you can send her away. But I'm telling you, if anyone divorces their wife, for any reason other than sexual immorality, that you've made an adulterer out of her, that you've made her the victim of adultery. But what did he say right before this? And I say to you that if any man looks upon a woman with lust in his heart, he has committed adultery in his heart. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, because that would be awkward. But why don't you just get real with yourself for a second and go, have I done that? Have I looked at somebody outside of my marriage, and have I, just even for a few seconds, really gave myself over to the thought of, man, what if I was with them? What if I had them? Look at them. Even for a second, are you guilty? I bet you are. I am. We're fallen, broken people with fallen, broken minds. We're messed up. By that standard, you're all sexually immoral. All of you. All of us. And isn't it kind of funny that a bunch of men, a bunch of Pharisees come to Jesus and they're like, is it permissible under any circumstance that a man should be able to leave his wife for any and every reason? And Jesus says, no, that was never the plan. 
It was never God's plan that a man and a woman would divorce. Ever. He never wants that. Ever. That's not His will. But you wanted it. Your hearts were hard. And so I guess if you need an out, if you absolutely want an out, I guess the one thing she could do that's just wicked enough, just disgusting enough, that you could actually leave her over it, sexual immorality. But, oh yeah, that's right. You're all sexually immoral. All of you. You've got your out if you want it. It's there. If you're looking for a way out of this thing, go on, take it. It's yours. But that's not what God wanted. That is not how it was from the beginning. And that is not how He wants it to be. Hmm. You know what else God doesn't want? It's never God's will that any man should die. It's not God's will that people would die in their sin and never come to know salvation and to never know Christ and to never know the truth. Those are all biblical statements. That is not the will of God. He doesn't want it. And you know what happens every single day in a fallen world? People die not knowing Jesus, not knowing the truth, not knowing salvation. It happens every day because that's what fallen people do. We mess up. It's never God's will that you divorce. It is always God's will that you reconcile but we live in a fallen, broken, messy world. And it just can't always happen. Because it takes two to tango. It takes two people to reconcile. It takes two people saying, I'm going to be different. I'm going to recommit myself. I'm going to come to God every single day. And then I'm going to go to my spouse. And we're going to make this work. And we're going to get through it. And we're going to figure it out. But you need two people that are committed to that ideal. And that does not always happen in a fallen, broken world. So, what about abuse? That one always comes up with this. What about abuse? Does the Bible mention it? What is, that? is that an out? Like, like, should a woman stay in a situation where she's being abused by her spouse? Should a man stay in a situation where he's being abused by his spouse? The Bible does not outright make a stance on this. It doesn't say one way or the other. It doesn't say one way or the other about a lot of very specific situations because the Bible is deeper than that. And so we have to look at the words of Jesus and we have to look at the heart and the character and desire of Jesus and desire of God. And I think we can come to an answer on that. And so I want to look at Matthew 12, 1 through 12. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When, you're, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And he answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet they're innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, that I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went to their synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. 
looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. God never desires the innocent to be condemned. God desires mercy, not sacrifice. The law was not put in place to crush you beneath the weight of it. It was not put in place to condemn you and put you in a situation where your life is in danger, where your physical well-being is in danger. That's not God's intention for the law. It was to protect us. It was to love us. And Jesus is saying, I require mercy, not sacrifice. The innocent should never be condemned. And so if you are in a relationship where you are being abused by your spouse, you get out of there right now. You take your kids and you get out of there. You flee. God loves you and He wants you protected and He wants you safe. But wait, Zach, doesn't Jesus say, turn the other cheek? Yes, He does. But He also says if you're being persecuted, flee. Run. He does not want you hurt. That's difficult stuff. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, Jesus does want reconciliation in all situations of divorce. He wants that. He wants you to be able to come back. He wants that. Right? But here's the deal. In cases of abuse, it would take years. It would take years, and it would take a whole lot of people being committed to it. It would take close monitoring, close attention paid to that abuser by the authorities, by your friends and your family, their friends and family, the church body, making sure that that person is showing actual change, that that person is actually repenting, that that person is really changing. Because the last thing we want is to say, oh yeah, we're reconciled, and then three months later, you're just back in the rhythm. You're just back in the problem. God does not want you to stay in a situation where your well-being is at stake. You get to safety. That's tough stuff. And I want to say this too. I, I know I, the reason I'm going to mention this part is because I know there are some of us that know situations where, say, someone has used victimhood as a weapon. There are people that claim abuse on their spouses and out. That happens in the world. And I'm being very careful when I say this because I don't think it happens a lot. But I know it does happen and I know that that's touchy for some people that know that that has happened in their friends or their family or in their lives. And so I want to recognize, yes, I know. But when somebody comes to us and says that they're being abused, we got to get that person to safety. And the truth will come out sooner or later. If that person is lying about something like that, then they will be held accountable by God. But we've got to love people and we've got to receive people with grace and we've got to protect people when they're in situations where it's scary. The truth will come out. That's how truth works. So, what do we do with all that? <laughs> if you were expecting a... Uh, 
you know, big idea, like a, to be Jesus in every culture, every corner of your culture, you know, just don't do X, Y, or Z. You're not getting that today. I'm so sorry. It's impossible. This is so nuanced. It's so gray. It's so big. If you gave me three hours up here, it wouldn't be enough time. Okay? But I do have a few generalized points that I would like to make for you. If you're married and thinking about divorce, please come talk to the pastoral team here. Don't think you've got this all figured out on your own. Chances are none of us do. I've listened to a billion pastors and they all say different things on the subject on some level because there's so much nuance. We've got to talk about this. We've got to figure out if this is biblical. How are you going about it? Is there room for reconciliation? Can you be reconciled? What do you do? Let's walk through this together. If you're married and everything's great, (laughs) or if you're married and you're having some troubles, what should you do? Devote yourself to your spouse all over again today. It's like the honeymoon all over again. Let's make today the honeymoon all over again. Let's spend time with our spouse. Let's go on dates. Let's watch movies. Let's, Let's play a game together. Let's make eye contact there is a psychological and physical need for eye contact with, a, with our significant other. We don't look at each other anymore when we talk to each other. And we barely talk to each other sometimes. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your significant other, right? Let's make this work. You need physical contact. Hold hands. Hug. And hug good. Hug long and hard and embrace each other. And let that person, let your husband or wife know that you love them and that you care for them. Physical touch is necessary. Kids, real quick, earmuffs. Parents, have so much sex. So much. It's good for you. You need to. The Bible says to do it. It says that the wife's body belongs to the husband and the husband's body belongs to the wife. And don't deny your spouse because it just brings temptation upon you. Have sex. It's good for you. It bonds you. It makes you closer as a husband and wife. Sorry, kids. I know you didn't really do earmuffs. It's okay. If you're divorced and you've remarried, what do you do? What if I messed up? What do I do? Do I leave my new spouse? No. You're married. Be married. Go do all that stuff I said married people should do. Go do that. Eye contact, hand-holding, sex. Um, You know, just love each other. Love each other and be devoted to each other. But if you're thinking, I think I messed up. Like, I think that stuff that went down was on me. Whether it was or it wasn't. If it was, don't go beating yourself up for the next forever. You go to God and repent and say, I messed up. And I'm not going to do that with this marriage. This one's going to be right. And I'm going to dedicate myself to you every day. And I'm going to turn from that stuff. And I'm sorry for the way it went down. And you know what? God honors that. And that's forgiven. And that's done. Move on. That's it. Don't beat yourself up forever. If you're divorced and single, should you remarry? Should you stay single? Should you move on? Should you, what should you do? Should you reconcile? Can you reconcile? Come talk to us. We want to walk through that with you. The stock answer on all these is going to be, come talk to us. We want to walk through that with you, by the way. (laughs) It's gray. 
It's tough stuff to walk through. If you're the victim of abuse, get out, get help. Like I said, reconciliation in those situations is hard, but it should be on the table for consideration. It is what God wants. It may not be able to be the case. And if it's not, it's not. It's a fallen world. But we want to get you safe. If you're single, and after having listened to this talk, there's any ounce of actually wanting to get married left in you, (laughs) dedicate yourself to your husband or your wife every single day. But before you get there, find somebody who's a believer. Find someone who loves Jesus. Find somebody that is equally yoked to you. They need to be on the same page because if they're not, it's going to fall apart. It's going to heap tons of problems on your marriage. Find somebody who loves Jesus. And you know what? I don't think we think enough about vows. What do we say on our wedding day? For richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, for better, for worse, till death do us part. Notice nowhere in there we're like, unless they do X, Y, or Z. Why don't we put that stuff in there? Because I think somewhere in in us being the image of God, we know that it's just meant to last forever. That's not even on our mind on our wedding day because we know what this thing is supposed to be. We know that we are supposed to be an image of God loving His people. That's what marriage is. And so we make these huge commitments and then later we look at it like it was no big deal. Breaking a promise is not just some little thing. It's huge to God. It matters to God. Don't make a vow that you can't keep. Be very careful about the vows that you make in this life. This is a covenant relationship between you and your spouse and God, and it's not just some little thing. And if you have the logical conclusion to today and go, never getting married ever. Good. Don't. It's better if you don't. When was the last time you heard that in church? Don't. And I don't know why we don't hear it in church, because when we go to Matthew 19, 10 through 12, the disciples have just overheard Jesus telling the Pharisees all this. He's like, look, marriage is hard. If you're looking for an out, fine, you know, you can, you can find your out because, you know, she's sexually immoral. But yet, yeah, you're sexually immoral too. You're a train wreck. This is going to be rough. It's going to be awful. But you made a promise and God expected you to keep it. The disciples say this. Well, if that's the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. That's such a good verse. It's so funny. Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs that have been made eunuchs by others, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. If you can stomach being single, do it. That is what he just said. That is what he just said. Jesus chose to live as a eunuch for the kingdom of heaven. He never married. Paul chose to live as a eunuch for the kingdom of heaven. We can argue about whether he was married or not. I've looked into that a bit. There is an argument that he might have been. 
It's speculation. We can't know. But what we do know is that Paul said it's better not to marry. If you want to, great. Don't make it work. But it's better not to. So, here we are at the end of this. And I understand the irony of a single guy, well, sorry, an engaged guy, but a non-married person standing up here telling you all about marriage and divorce, and, and you're like, shut up. But guess what? Not my words. Jesus' words. Take it up with him, okay? What I hope you get out of this is marriage is not just something we do in our culture. It is a God-ordained metaphor, a, a figurative concept, a picture of his relationship with us. And it is meant to last because no matter what we do, he is still committed to us. We are to mirror that through the act of marriage. I hope you understand that God loves you and he is for you and he wants what is best for you. And I understand that the world has fallen and it's messed up and things don't always go the way God intended. That's just part of living in this world. But I hope that you have an appreciation for the gravity of this situation and the importance of this situation. And I don't want you to leave here beating yourself up, but to be resolved and to grow closer to God through this conversation. I'm sorry it's a hard one. They're all hard ones. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.